May 4, 2022, it's the Walk for Pedro show. How long did it take you before you actually felt you were ready to go down to the uh, spot and actually work as a, as a regular unit, you know? Well... As soon as we got as soon as you got the job as a fire spot, we uh, went right in because just going over things that started earlier, we just you know, it was just I met him, you know, and I just started hanging around with him, you know, I went down and started going down this house. Because I like that music, you know. And we'd already recorded one song, Monk's Mood, you say, yeah. That was the one that came over from Philly just to do. Yeah, I, I liked it so well, you know, I told him that I wanted to learn it, so he invited me around, you know. That's when I started learning this too. We didn't know if we would ever work together. Show back with Brother Matt. Yeah, welcome back. So happy to be here with you. Got Yuri in the house. Yeah, it's been a couple years. Yeah, man, long overdue. So yeah. good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. We start off the show with August Blue asking John Coltrane about playing with the oldest month, 1958. Then we had remission for Billy Bottom. And uh, accordingly, we got Brother Billy Bottom. Driving to El Segundo here in SoCal. Welcome aboard, Billy. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, welcome, Billy. Truly, and uh, we got to give El Cud some credit for the connect, right? Now, uh, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Funny story. I was just talking to my son about this. My son's, uh, both our kids are really musical, but... My son didn't know this, but I told him, I said, did you know my first piano lessons? I started piano, I was six years old, and my teacher, it was a husband and wife couple, uh, team, and the, you were with the wife up until you got to a certain level, and then the husband took you over. So, But the wife, and I told my son this, she used to, every time I fucked up, uh, pardon my French, I don't know if I should. It's cool, Live Pedro show. Awesome. <laughs> it's real. Curses are real. Life is real. So th this woman would smash my hand and slap it with a ruler. And my son looked at me this morning and he's like, what? Really? I said, yeah. Isn't that crazy? He goes, yeah. I said, wasn't that crazy when it happened? It's kind of just the way things were back then. So um, she would smack my wrist. And then eventually I, I got to a level where I could go to the husband. And I was like all proud. I was like, cool. I can, I can study with the husband because he all 
OGs go up to him. This dude, every time I fucked up, he'd smack me in the back of the head. And so I, I didn't kind of Brutal couple. Yeah, it was brutal couple. But that was old school way, and that was my introduction to music. My mother was a nurse and an actress and a singer. She sat at the piano bench in my early days and would sing with me. And as much as I rebelled and, and hated practicing, I loved playing. My uncle and grandfather were accomplished pianists. And then when I got sick of the um, kind of the, the structure of music theory, I rebelled and my they took my uncle and grandfather took me under their wings and, and turned me onto the world of improvisation. And then that was life changing. It's still my main instrument. But then I found punk rock and uh, and first band was probably on my own was probably Kiss, but my father's record collection with everybody from um, CCR, Neil Young, Yes, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones was all like the first taste of music. But I think when you're young, you want to find your own thing. And that fortunately and unfortunately was Kiss, but it wasn't, wasn't until I found punk rock that I really kind of realized, I was like, wow, it's not so much how well you play, it's more how you play it that, that really kind of like juiced my rocket. Hey, what about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Yeah, yeah they, 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 nobody ever, 30 years, nobody's ever asked me these questions. This is great. Yeah, so um, I did, and I didn't find my voice. It wasn't, I, you know, I think I was in choir a few years, but it was, I liked drums. I played drums in band. And that was my thing. Um, but musically, I mean, there was no piano, obviously, in orchestra or band in school when I was young, but that was my thing with band. Yeah, so, uh, what was it, like the field drum snare? Yeah, it was like, actually, two of us I can't believe I remember this kid's name, Dennis. His name was Dennis, my, my buddy. And we shared the drum kit. <laughs> every, every time there was a performance, or halfway through the performance, I remember we would swap chairs. So someone would get the hi-hat and, and the snare, and the other guys would get the, like, the toms and the cymbals and whatever notes we were hitting back then. But that's, that's pretty much it. Now, when you say uh, Kiss, so, so the first bot, uh, record you bought with your own money was what, Billy? Bro, these are great questions. Thank you. This is like, in all these years, that's the most unique question. First record with my own money, it had to be Kiss Alive 2. And it was it was uh, money, it was a Christmas gift from my grandmother. And she said, I remember she sent a check to my folks, but I remember I went and bought it. And my mother was like, really? You, you know your grandmother's going to ask you what, you what you got with the money. And I said, this is what I want. It's my money. She's like, all right. And then, of course, my grandmother, over for the holidays, said, what did you get for, you know, what did you buy yourself? And I showed her the record. She pretty much had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> now, first gig you saw? First gig was my uncle, um, the piano player, who, who he played in a, a prog band back in the 70s. I must have been about eight. Nine, maybe. I was playing piano for like two or three years, and he was my. I looked up to him so much, and my grandfather. So he played in Boston, and my pop took me to see him. They played this big theater. They 
light, and they were kind of like a prog, like Emerson Lake Palmer, yes, kind of style. And it, it was, I was blown away. And I said to my, I remember standing up, the crowd was standing up. I went in the aisle so I could see, you know, I was a little kid. And my mom, and I watched him and I said to myself, wow, I, that, I want to do that one day. That's amazing. They had, they all wore costumes. There was fog coming out of the stage. This amazing light show. I was so enthralled and blown away. And I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, that's what I want to do one day. And uh, you know the thing, not after school, like graduating, but after school in the afternoon, garage band, basement band, bedroom band, did you do that? Yeah, yep. I, um, my buddy uh, started tooling around guitar. My, our, my buddy played guitar, his brother, actually he played drums. His brother was an awesome guitar player in the day, but everybody has that one kid who just can wail. And um, so I would use one of his guitars and learn a few chords and um, started learning like Kiss songs and ACDC and that stuff. Um, and then I... You didn't uh, use drums with rock and roll. No. So drums were... I only liked drums in early days. Not like them, sorry. I was a drummer in the school band and when I went to, would go to my uncle's rehearsals when I was visiting them in Connecticut. Um, the drummer, they would take a break, and at the time I didn't know what was going on, but I, I kind of suspected when I got older. They would just take a break and smoke some weed, and I would sit behind the drum, even though I loved my uncle's synthesizers. And he had Melvatrons, Fender Rhodes, B3s, um, Moogs, and it was like he was like Rick Wakeman. And, um, <laughs> but I would sit behind the just giant Neil Burke drum kit, and I was like, wow, because I was used to a three-piece drum kit, you know, as playing in the band. But after that, um, it was just piano and uh, and guitar. And then it wasn't until I, I started my music career, semi-professionally, that I started fooling around with drums more. When you, that guy was showing you some uh, cover songs, right? ACDC and Kiss? Yeah. That was your instruction for guitar? Um, not really. I was kind of just, I, it was, I think, I may be wrong, but I think, was just coming out and I figured out how to do it and knowing how to read music for some reason I just learned from Tab and then switched over and I was like oh it's the same shit the music I realized just being so focused on piano um, I realized if my skill of reading music or piano helped me with guitar yeah but the first, first was just teaching myself and then there was a punk rock band that I liked but this guy Pete Menino who turned me on to like bands like um, like Flipper, um, Aggression, all this like West Coast stuff that I fucking loved. It was just, it was like I think it was called Nardcore. It was like some yeah, kind yeah. Of Aggression was Nardcore out of uh, yeah. Oxnard scene, but yeah. Flipper was Bay uh, Bay, Bay <laughs> the city. Yeah, they're about three hundred miles apart. Yeah, <laughs> but still but California. And Brother Ted, incredible. If you're going to pick a yeah. guitar player to model yourself, do you remember getting your first guitar? Yeah, so this kid Pete, who um, he played in a bunch of different bands, but he was like a like a, a local punk rock kid. But he he gave me a guitar when there was a band that I wanted to play with, and I told the guys, I said, "Listen, I'll join your band if if uh, I'll I'll get my own guitar if I can join your band." And I already had this deal on the side with my buddy Pete. 
So my buddy uh, Chris was like, all right, let's do it. So I joined the band. They were called Balcony Ignorance. And um, we soon changed to Museum of Corruption. And we, we had no idea what was going on. But I, I learned the three chords that set my career off, and it worked. <laughs> I want to play uh, Just in the Sun, okay? My moods always change, don't yours?
passed on to you. Watt from Pedro's show. Yeah. We heard Billy Bile with Just in the Sun. The brand new from the gums of the Red Planet. Mahemet. All right, you heard the man, one grenade each from Thousand Dollar Movie. That's Jeremy and Charlotte, I just said. MSSP, the launch pad, hand model, toxic flower, cabin boy jump ship with ghosts, Chris Kroger, benchmark boys, and Frequalit Electric, Mashi Kuka. Universal Resurrection, the radio edit from Heavenly Bodies. Scrapers Papers, Cousin Nolan. Roy from Fine. Mona from Crushed by Pimps. And finally, again, from Billy Bio, Sheepdog. Okay, can you remember the first gig with these cats? Uh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, probably playing like, uh, actually, yeah, I do. The first gig was a house party, and I, there's a picture. I just talked about this not too long ago. There's a, it was a house party. The cops came and broke it up, but I was wearing a, a, an MDT, MDC um, T-shirt, and so I'm standing there in this photo. I'm standing next to a cop, and I'm trying to, I remember rash, trying to rationalize this and think, what, what's the big problem, you know, trying to talk my way out of it. And I got my guitar hanging on, and, I, and, and that shirt, clear as day, it says uh, "Millions of Dead Cops," and it has, it has, uh, it was, uh, um, the album was like half, half the face was a cop, the other half was a Klansman, and this cop just talking to me. As an adult now, as a grown man, I'm. This cop must have looked like, what the fuck is this kid wearing? Uh, but. I, you know. At least it wasn't the Raymond Pettibone My Rule shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so would you call that gig a success, Billy? Hell yeah. yeah. Everything was a success. You know, back in the day, you know, you got way more history than I do. Anytime you could pull off a cool gig and, and, and do what you want to do, it's, it's a success, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and any time you play, you're invested in the next time you play. Hell yeah. yeah. I believe. So, did these guys record? Did you record with them? Uh, yeah, we did like just live recording with those guys. Okay. And it wasn't it wasn't until um, Biohazard where I, I did my first recording. Let me ask you this: the material were you providing? Some, were you writing this early? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Always. Okay, uh, can you remember the first song you wrote? Um, I, it was either a song called Tuborg and Skittles or Cartoon Death. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and Tuborg was a, a beer that, you know, a cheap beer we drank, and yeah. Skittles was like, you know, you're a punk rock kid, and so the sugar was just everything for you. <laughs> okay. And then Cartoon Death was a song about... Uh, War and G.I. Joe. And... and what would come first, the guitar or the words? I always treat them separately. I, I, don't, I don't sit down and have like a formula, but it was always like um, I get a, a lyrical idea, it's things that I want to write about, and it, it's like a, starts out as a poem. Um, 
and then music is always just some kind of inspiration and it's at one point the two kind of magnetize together and sometimes um you could have an idea in your head melody wise but uh they just seem to magnetize and what does the title where... come the title uh sometimes it just jumps out sometimes um you know, sometimes the title is the actual inspiration, the idea, and the song just grows. Yeah, that's title. why I ask you that because, like, I have to start with the title or I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, but everybody it, else, it, it, most it, people I talk to on the show, they say the title comes last. It, it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't live with myself to that, but I, I think that the that the title is always the inspiration. That that's like, hey, I want to write about, uh, you know, the declining economy. Okay, cool. The declining economy is the chorus. Let's go. <laughs> so what? What you do after this band broke? Well, why did it break up? So the the dudes in the, in the band, I'm still friends with my buddy Chris. He was uh, the of the singer, and him and I, uh, I, I came to the guys in the band, and I was like, listen, the guys were like, they, they were slacking on rehearsals, and I was always the, the, the guy who cracked the whip. And they're like, we, we, don't, we want to just focus on school and our studies. We don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, guys, we're going to play CBGBs one day. Trust me. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, stick with me. We're going to play CBGBs. That was the, my goal. And, uh, and we ended up splitting up as a result. I kept on going. And, and my buddy Chris, who I'm still great friends with, he went on to school, finished school, and went on to law school, became a lawyer. And now he's a judge in New York. And I still talk to him often. Um, great dude. Um, and uh, those guys with the, a lot of a lot of legal situations. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a wise thing not to burn connects like that. Of course, um, hell yeah, hell yeah. Let me ask you, Billy. Um, so they stop with music, but you keep going. What's your next step? So the next the next band. Um, was, I, I played in a couple different, you know, I tried to get things together with different guys in New York, but Biohazard was um, late 80s, um, and we, we, we put it together, and we were all kind of, you know, on a kind of fucked up path um, at that point in my life. But getting more and more focused into music helped me put something a little bit more interesting in my life to focus on. And that uh, first record dropped in 1990. Well, let me ask you about the first Biohazard gig. Yep. That gig was at a place called the Pyramid Club in the Lower East Side. Um, and uh, <laughs> I remember it was crazy time. I remember there's a photo of us I just saw not too long ago. And, and New York was plagued. I think L.A. too was was plagued with crack vials, crack pandemic was fucking sure. insane. But my neighborhood was littered with these little colorful crack lights. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, such a pretty little vial with all these dope little colors and all the cats with different colors. But what a horrible fucking pandemic this is, you know, epidemic it was, or whatever, pandemic or epidemic. Now the COVID kind of got me confused on those words now. But I, I would take those, um, those vials and collect them and I would glue them to my guitar. So I had to be like, like all these crack vials, <laughs> you know, on the front of my guitar. I was just looking back as a father now. I'm like, my kid came to me and said, hey, do I have my guitar pop? I'm like, are you kidding me? 
you, how does the body has, has you guys meet? So we all met uh, through different mutual friends. A drummer and guitar player playing together in one gig. The, um, the bass player and drummer were playing in a different gig together. And then um, I met, I was working on A Street um, at this punk rock place called uh, Flip. And my bass player was working at this place called Crazy Eddie down the street on 6th Avenue. And, and through a mutual friend, he's like, oh, I know somebody, you know, I know you're looking for a band. I know this guy, he's a bass player. And then he told him, I know, I know this guitarist, you know, guitarist, he's a hardcore kid, even though I know you're a metal guy, but you check him out. So we linked up and, uh, and the, the four of us got together. My guitar player, he got beat. I remember he got beat up real bad. Like he was in some kind of crazy. He got jumped by all these cat. Some crazy story. But so he wasn't there for a bit. He was recovering in Florida. Went to go visit his aunt or something. And then uh, so we jammed for a bit and uh, had like four or five songs together real quick. And uh, and then started to like I said, you know, be more interested in playing together than hanging out causing trouble in New York in the corners gave us a little bit more of a positive thing to look at in life. Absolutely. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. May 4th, 2022, Dishwap Peter Show back with Brother Man. <laughs> Special guest, Billy Bile. Hold tight for hour two. May 4th, 2022, it's the second hour of the Watch for Peter Show. We are not perfect human beings to do the best we can. That's all we can do. We have to inspire or retire. We have to lead by example, do the best we can. One life, one chance. You gotta do it right.
another fantastic concept for what is this thing yeah my undergraduate analysis has it all figured out if you can make things up then I can Go! 
Draw me a picture The last scene you remember As a mariner He said He drew a picture of himself Sitting on a bed His sailor's hat Cocked to one side The coffee cup on the table He asked her jokingly How do you want me, ma'am? Hobbled and iron? She helped him look How far back? He didn't know Down in the sea To the bottom drawer They found his papers Water-stained and brown He pulled them out and waved and yelled As if he had found a passage Toward the wild fix of stars the Isle of Capri When I fall Will you be there for me, my friend When demons call Will you help me to stand tall again Cause I feel small And every day I'm shrinking Life's no more water but still dead and gone except the smell inside a 1948 Mercury with soft green lights on the dash memories that await the children of a ruined world So-called 
in a wastebasket.
Ingram Show. Start off the second hour. Billy Bio doing One Life to Live. Ben Salter out of Tasmania after that with Love. Angry Silence with the Party's Over. Atmosphere, Anti-Insomnia. Guided by Voices. Bob's got a new fucking album. <laughs> At least three, four, four years, right? I City. And the Clubber Lane Gang with Charlie Plymel doing Man Overboard. Floating Problems with Pakula Trembles, Prayer. I can't already. SLW and BB Jr., Fire Party. Giles Corey, Grave Filled with Books. And the lead of Terrorist Sounds with Prison Song. Billy Bio with enough. You gotta tell us, Billy. How was All right. the, how was the biohazard trip? Guys, fairly long piece, right? Many tours. Yeah, we had a, 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 still still kicking it. Um, it's my whole career. This is crazy. It, it was very like upside down world for for in that part of my life, and all of us in the band, but. We, we came up with the name, um, we had a list of names. Pete Steele, who's uh, from a band called Typo Negative, uh, had a band called Carnivore, but he had suggested the name and he, he get, showed me this magazine and pointed to this logo. And he said, in a real deep, deep, jolly green giant voice, he said, you guys should go by this, but don't use the name, just use the logo. And he kind of like what Prince did, 20, 30 years before Prince did it. And uh, it, it was genius. But I, my father, who was a scientist as a kid, he would, in summers, I would, you know, like a weekly job, I would go to his lab and, and clean test tubes and clean up shit. But I remember seeing that logo everywhere. So when he showed me the logo, I was like, oh, that's amazing. It's that's it's scary looking fucking logo. So we ended up, um, that made the, the top of the list. We were sitting around a table party in Canarsie one night. And it's as crazy as it is, um, we were all drugging still and, and really fucked up. But we were fucking smoking crack. And somebody handed me a stem and said, um, my bass player looks at me, I'm holding the stem. He's like, so what are we going to call a band? And I take a hit and I'm like, I exhale. I'm like, let's go with biohazard. So my whole career, my life changed at the moment, the moment I fucking smoked crack for the first time. It was insane. Soon after that, we got straight and sober, cleaned up our lives. But it's a story I don't tell my kids. I, they won't hear it until they're much older. But <laughs> listen, it's listen to not the promise of it. But yeah, but how I turned it into, I turned it around. And that, that's always been my theme of my music. I always try to find the silver lining in a horrible, terrible situation. And it, it's worked. Like I said before, it's not about problems, it's about challenges. And that, that, drugging and, and party world was a, a, a challenge for me and, and overcame it. Yeah. Good job. A real good job. And uh, your first recording was with Biohazard. First recording was with Biohazard. Yeah, we, we actually recorded with um, my buddy Josh who eventually became the uh, keyboard player from this band called Typo Negative from New York. Right. Now, what was the first studio you, you got in? Uh, his studio, I, I, I can't believe I remember the name. It was called, it was called uh, Sty in the Sky. Sty in the Sky. <laughs> Sty in the Sky. 
and he had he was, was it like Manhattan, Manhattan, Brooklyn? No, it was in Brooklyn, and um, he had uh, I, yeah, I remember he had we, you recorded downstairs in the basement, and then you had to go up through the first floor, it's like a three like a three story walk up, and he uh, and his studio, the, the actual room was on the top floor, and he had cameras for downstairs. We did our first demos there, um, but I also remember. Pete's, Pete had a, who lived across the street, and this was at the beginning of Type O Negative, uh, wait, no, sorry, before the beginning of Type O Negative, but Pete Steele and Josh, uh, Josh Silverman, I think, Josh, I can't remember his last name, he, um, they were best friends, so Pete would always keep his instruments there, and I remember we used, he had, uh, Pete had this Alembic bass, which was, you know, Alembics are just fucking gems, but Pete, took such a fucking amazing, beautiful instrument, and he he would cut, go into porno magazines, and he would cut out like little ovals of all the different size vaginas that he could find, and he would tape them and stick them on top of this base, this beautiful $3,000 base, and then glossed it over with, with shellac, and it was amazing. This thing sounded fucking awesome, and we called it the pussy base. <laughs> Maybe a match above the crack vial guitar, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this is probably not a normal interview because they get that. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I don't, pull, I don't pull my punches. I gotta it, tell no, it. No, it's, it's truly bitchy. Don't worry. <laughs> but I gotta tell you right now, it is time for Brother Matt and his spin cycle. So we'll spin a little bit, okay? Let's see if we can still make this thing fly.
Never talk.
back. Thank you so much. A couple clamps from Operator Air, but uh, we made it. There we go. Those were bands that I heard, other than the organ at the end, those were all great bands I saw at the Sardine in the last couple of months. MSSV, saw some J.D. Pincus, some Scott H. Beerum, some Alley Cat, some Toys, uh, that, uh, kill. Toys that Kill, and Wrinkling Brothers. All right. Joe Dean and George. Georgie, along with Joe Bison. Vince yeah, Bryan. yeah. Let's get back to Billy. Billy, you said that um, Biohazard's still yeah. going. Is that correct? Wait, what? Sorry. Biohazard's still going? Yeah, we'll say that again. Jeez. So we've got a alarm going. Yeah. You never threw in the towel? You never threw in the towel? No. Okay. Okay. But. Never threw, never threw in the towel. I read this great book. That's how I look now I do solo. So, okay, when did the solo stuff come along? Like, like the stuff you just gave me. So, yeah, that record, Leaders and Liars, came out yeah. uh, end of March. And I think it was my second uh, solo movie, the first one, Beat the Fire, that came out in 2019. And then... Uh, I, just, I, I think I'm the only guy I have to musician. Not that music, the guys, uh, you know, they still play. Uh, we didn't have any on anything collectively uh, in a couple of years. Okay. And, but, but you had to keep going. Now, you wouldn't say... I can't talk. You know. Yeah, right, right. But you wouldn't say it was like back in the early days. Well, maybe it was. No, oh, my... my. I, I don't smoke crack anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I like change, but the, the path is still the same. Um, I just, I, I always have this, there's always a never ending amount of straight raps and artists, and I just can't stop creating. And I own my own recording video in Gardena, so I, I left there as pretty, it's my, you know, I say here, space. Um, I'm always, you know, growing up and using the pen. That's kind of uh, what I do when I'm, when I'm home. Yeah, now, I mean, you're still a, a band, or do you play, do you do the Prince thing and play all the instruments? No. I, I do. And then um, and then I get, yeah, I get buddies that play better than me to redo <laughs> what I packed for. <laughs> what do you start with? Do you start with drums? Uh, sometimes piano, no. Sometimes piano, sometimes guitar, who's guitar. Um, and I did this really cool thing during the pandemic. I, I, I think we played the song called One Life to Live. I'm yeah. Not sure, but I, got, I put the camera down and it just caught the progression of a couple songs that I was writing. And, you know, you never know what song is going to you know, jump out and, and say, I'm, I'm going to fit with this group of songs to form a record. But two of those songs did, and I released uh, this footage of one with um, one left to live, and the progression starts on acoustic, and then it's, you know, um, you know, I stumble across a couple of riffs that work together, and then the song evolves. Then it's um, I'm in the studio, chopping away on, on electric guitar, bass, and drums, and it's a it's a full documentation. It all happened, you know, the circumstances. I just happened to, to capture something that was. Pretty cool how it progressed. So there's no, um, I don't limit myself to anything. I, I, sometimes it starts out where inspiration is and I can just go with it. Right, right. 
Sometimes it's a bass lick. Do you make demos? I I don't look at yeah I, I wouldn't consider them demos. I just kind of like they're sketches. It's like you have this vision and you start with a, a pencil sketch, and then you fill it in with ink when you, you really feel that it's it represents what that picture is inside, and then you then you paint inside of you know those lines, and then it forms this picture. Being solo to me like it's like it's like painting is having this picture inside your head. You paint it on a fucking canvas. You hang it on the wall. You don't invite your buddies over and give them a bunch of beer and paintbrushes and paint, paint and say, go ahead, change what you want to change. I love that about a band. I, I get it. And I, I love that about everything I've done in the past. But I like having that vision as, as an artist to be pure and, and, and undiluted and stay how I meant it in my head, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, Billy, we're at the end of the second hour, May 4, 2022, Dishwap Pedro Show. Special guest, Billy Bile, hold tight for hour three. May 4, 2022, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Thank you.
data collection. Data. This is data about human human lives. <laughs> Mike Pride out of Chester, New York. 
Bridge of Flowers. I'm going to go with Southern Bridge of Flowers with vinegar and salt. And finally, Deception from Billy Bile. Billy, why'd you call this new record Leaders and Liars? I think if we all pull anything away from this crap-ass pandemic, it's that... Let me ask you a question, Mike. You got you had a, um, you got a fire extinguisher in your kitchen? Yeah. Right? Well, because why? Because it's going to prepare, right? Yeah. So, I got one in my garage. I got one in my, in my kitchen. Because if there's a fire, I'm prepared. I know, hey, there's a possibility something could happen. Let's be, let's, you know, let's nip it in the bud and, and be prepared. When this whole shit went down, and for the past 15 years, I must have saw 10 movies where there was, um, you know, some guy sneezing on a plane and some doctor said, don't worry, we got it under control. When this whole shit unveiled and unrolled, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the flabbergasted going, are you fucking kidding me? You guys, nobody thought this would happen. Nope, there's no plan of action. And they just lied and, and just bullshitted us and try to pacify us and try to lock us into our homes, force us to do things against our will. And, and I'm not gonna go all political on it, but the mere concept that, that no one was prepared. The leaders, in my opinion, the true leaders are the ones that aren't asking for your vote, the ones that don't want to be put on a pedestal. They're the ones that are standing next to you in solidarity with their arms around you, saying, yeah, that's, I agree. We feel the same. Let's fucking make a change our way. Fuck the system. And But the people who are asking for your vote to be put on a pedestal are money grabbers, they're power grabbers, and they're just looking for a pop, winning the popularity vote. That's... I don't, you asked me the question, bro. I don't mean to get all political on it, but that's that's the whole meaning behind Leaders and Liars. Yeah, what well, it ends up being the album title. So yeah, yeah, strong feeling, right? But an album's a collection of songs, right? Or or did it's was a, this the, kind of the theme? It, it kind of yeah. It, it, that song seemed to at the time to jump out. Um, I love the moment where, because I, I don't write records, I write songs. We, I think the truest artists just express what's inside. But there comes a moment where these songs kind of magnetize together and, and jump off the, the paper and say, we are this. We are, a, a, we seem to paint a collective picture. And to me, at that point, I love that moment when it happens because I don't force it, I let it happen, and I don't lose sleep over it because knowing that it's just eventually going to happen. But um, there was a time when that song just jumped out, and it seemed to be the pinnacle um, song to encompass what I wanted to say, and Leaders and Liars. What about production kind of trip? Or just working with other people? Do you, do you co-write with people? Um, I, I do, but I don't on solo thing. I, I like to keep everything pure and undiluted. Um, and I'll do respect to the guys I play with. I, I, Rob Diaz, my bass player, is, um, plays suicidal. He plays with, he's on tour with Cole right now. Um, Dan, um, Dan by Stereo plays in Death by Stereo. has been called Zebrahead, great guitar player. Um, Robbie from Exploited, who I've been friends with for years. Um, my drummer, Fred Aiken Rios, who um, is in my other band, uh, Power Flow. Great guy, great drummer. but. They kind of all let me do my own thing and keep it. Let me keep it pure. Um, so I'm open to ideas and, and them coming up with different things. But they give me the respect of, of letting it 
um, remained. It's like plugging a cable into my heart. I want to keep that signal the same and un- unhindered um, or, or broken. Um, what about, so it's like listening that, to... What about mixing? So what? Mixing. So mixing, I, I love, um, I used to always do my own stuff. And I, I got to a point, I worked with this guy, Tui Matson. Tui helps me. Um, I look at it like this. There's always that record that you envision in your head, that sound that you're going for. And then there's the factual record that you make. And then after the fact, you're like, you know, I wish I would have done it this. I wish it would have, could have, should have. And, and you kind of second guess yourself a little bit, but Chewy helped me for the first time in my career. They all match. The vision that what I had in that, that sound in the back of my head, what I capture it, and when I'm done with the record, looking back, they all hit. And Chewy helped me do that. So now I, I work with him um, as a solo artist, and he does my other band, Powerflow, also. And I'll probably work with him with Fire if we ever do something again. But um, as a producer, I love mixing doing my own stuff but removing myself and giving giving it to someone else is like you, you create this uh, this sculpture and you let someone else glaze it okay Georgia used to have a saying about being a donut and getting glazed <laughs> <laughs> I want to play blackout okay
Well, for being my show last music for this edition, it's like deja vu all over again, Pete. Blackout from Bio, and live in Martha, Texas, part one of two from Black Sea featuring the Jonathan Horn, Lisa Cameron, finally, Billy Bio turned the wounds. As you heard Billy say there, power through pain. Power through pain. Amen. Yeah. I, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. It's, we all get through shit. We've all been through the ringer here and there. Um, I'm not going to complain about anything with the pandemic. Um, and one thing I don't write about is the pandemic. <laughs> We've all dealt with it. But it's a, I, I always found that looking at life as it's filled with challenges, not problems, and, and look, facing a challenge is just more optimistic for me. It helps me overcome it. It's like, oh, that's beatable. I can get around this. Whereas a problem is like, oh, shit, I don't know if I can get out of this. But a challenge is like, let's go. It's like playing chess. There's always... Don't escape. Either you win or you learn. Sure. Yeah, you never graduate until, well, you never do. It's a big (laughs) classroom. Where can people find you on the internet, Billy? I'm at at Billy Biohazard everywhere on social media. If not some intern, you know, in a management office answering it to me. I love talking to people. I love conversing. You got a question about anything in my career from you know, naming bioactive while hired crack to getting straight and sober and having years of great moments in my life. I talk about it all. Open book. And what do you got planned next, Billy? I'm writing. I just left the studio, still working on um, always writing. And then uh, I have a new powerful record uh, I just finished coming out later this year. I had four tours canceled and a life filled with touring, you know, from vans to tour buses and back in vans again. I live for it, love it. Um, but it's I just, just got done with uh, your sales a little bit. I just got done with 48 gigs in 48 days. Oh yeah? I wouldn't shit you. Now, the fuck? <laughs> I, I haven't done it yet. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you got is this new record Billy Bile? This new one is Billy. Yeah. The one that's My coming out later. Is. I know the one right now with the leaders and liars. But this next one is called Billy Bile also? Sorry, you're right. Yes. No, that record is that band, Power Flow. I ah, have a Power band Flow. with Cypress uh, okay. Hill. Absolutely. Power Flow, yeah. Power Flow. And uh, so soon you'll be touring then. Okay. Back out there. But uh, be a little careful. You know about that. And uh, it's doable, though. Yeah, yeah. And maybe people won't take gigs for granted when they yeah. were refused. I don't think anything was canceled. I think it was postponed, hopefully. I'm being optimistic. Yeah, that's a better word. That's a more optimistic. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Really honored to have you on the show, though, Billy. Thank you so much. Yeah, the honor's mine, my friend. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Looking forward to meeting you in person, though. Yeah. And we, we keep on keeping on. Yep. Amen. Brother Matt, great to be back. Right on. People, it's been May 4, 2022. Watch for Pedro. She'll keep your powder dry. In the bag.